Yo, 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 what up? Episode 23 coming at you as requested by a few people. Quentin Tarantino film. This one I I decided to go with Django Unchained. Man, I've watched this several times and I've never really looked into it, into it as much as I have. Obviously, there's shit tons of fucking racism. Uh, that That's the point, I think. It's supposed to be confronting and theatrical at the same time. Um, Quentin has this style about him, and I don't know what to call it, but I know he runs the same style of sound, um, uh, like music or um, sound score. It's the same sort of writing, bold, weird, kind of red, yellowish letters. Or font style is the same. I think it's the same in Kill Bill and Kill Bill 2. And that's where he has a bit of that sort of weird. It's like Super 8 stuff. It's like the 80s or the or the early 90s. I think he does it in Death Proof. Death Proof is the same with Kurt Russell. And the music sort of captivates you. It's not necessarily structured. So the music is on and off and it doesn't. I think I read a, a trivia, not a trivia, but like a a review where it had something to do with the guy who did the music for the film. Um, he ref- didn't really want to work with uh, with him anymore because um, it was strange. Yeah, that's right. After the composer and Nino Morricone. He didn't want to. He didn't want to collaborate with Quentin anymore because he said there was no, the, the the music in the films was like without coherence and never giving enough time. However, old mate went on to work with Quentin again in the Hateful Eight, another cold western movie, um, and the guy gets himself a fucking Academy Award. So I suppose he can stop his fucking whinging and realize that Quentin is the man when it comes to this type of shit. I don't know. Look, from my point of view, everything about this movie is fucking perfect. It's confronting. It's violent. It's colorful. It's smart. Um, Christopher Waltz is a fucking genius. Um, Jamie Foxx is also a genius. Leonardo, this dude just, this, this just fucking pure pure class coming out of that guy and any movie this guy touches the older he gets the better he gets the the younger he was the better he was it doesn't matter like it's it's just he's just good he can mold into anything there's several there's several funny little background stories to this movie that you could check out by just googling up the trivia but you know what i'll tell you anyway um i think um the cool part fast forward through this movie and to the dinner scene um, I've read that when Leonardo or Michelle Candy gets fucking upset, he slams his hand down, he hits the fucking glass cup or he catches the edge of it and his fucking hand, left hand is bleeding like shit, but he stays in character. And I read that. I was like, Ooh, and I watched it tonight freshly. And it's like, you can see the, you can see how uncomfortable he is. And Tarantino was just like, you know what? He just let him roll and he cut his hand up and it was just like 
a legit scene and when they yelled cut, everyone had just erupted and clapped and said it would be awesome and they wanted to bandage Leonardo's hand and he, um, Leonardo said, how about we, you know, how about I use some of this blood on my hand and rub it over Kerry Washington's slave face making a big bold statement of just absolute violence and disgust and control over her over her person in front of Django, Jamie Foxx's character. Of course it wasn't the real blood, it was fake. Quinn was like, this is a great idea. Kerry, what do you think? Samuel Jackson, what do you think? Yep, let's run with it. It's a great idea. Leonardo, you best. And he does. He just fucking smears red blood all over her face as if to spit in her face and say, fuck you, I own this girl, you're not getting her. That's a talent of Leonardo's um, I think I've, I've come across in a few movies. I might have mentioned it earlier on when I read Green Lights by Matt McConaughey. Um, in his book, he writes about how he took on the role of um, Ron Woodruff, the stage four AIDS um, patient in the movie Dallas Buyers Club. And while he was training for that role or preparing for that role, he had to lose quite a bit of weight. And he got the call up by Martin Scorsese saying, I want you to be in Wolf of Wall Street to play the eccentric um, trade banker who meets with Leonardo at lunch. And obviously there's a scene where Matt pumps his chest and goes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, does that kind of thing. That's something Matt does is to reset himself for a role. So when he's getting into character, he does this little chest pump thing. Leo's like, hey, what's that? Goes, oh, it's just a thing I do when I'm getting ready. And Leo's like, hey, fucking let's roll with it. Hey, Martin, want to roll with it? Yeah, go for it, Leo. Like, whatever your accent he is, he's just like, whatever Leo wants to do, Leo gets, right? And, of course, that's it. Leo says, does the role. They just free flow. It's ad-libbed, whatever. And then Martin's like, you know, talking about masturbation. He'd pump them numbers up. Sorry, not Martin. Matt McConaughey's doing that. And then Leo starts bumping his chest too. And that's it. That's cut. That's a new scene. That's something new. In this movie, well, let's just say it's an accident that he hits his hand on the glass, but what he does with it afterward post-accident post is fucking nothing short of amazing. That's just one little scene, one little pivotal scene in this movie. Uh, throughout, Leonardo voiced his, his um, disgust in the fact that there's so much racism and he was having difficulty with it and... <laughs> Samuel J. Uh, Samuel Jackson just pulls um, Leonardo aside and then says to him, "Look, motherfucker, this just another Tuesday for us. In other words, this what we do. Let's do it. Like I'm black, you're white. You don't like the racism. This is just another day. Let's make the movie move on. I suppose. Yeah, being a white person though, if a black guy says to you, just do the scene. I mean, there's there's a lot of n words used throughout this movie." And I know it's for, I guess you could say, a good cause and a good storytelling. I suppose it's all legit and real. Um, There's a lot of history in this movie, I think, which is accurate. Accurate portrayal of what went down in the in the south, in the south, in the Mississippi, and the plantations and that kind of world and slavery. There's a lot of you know, Quentin doesn't really shy away from the detail, and he makes sure whatever he's doing is real. And uh, there was one part that sort of comes up and says that some critics or the audience had a problem with how close Christopher Waltz was with Jamie Foxx's character 
in the movie, but it's not unheard of back in that day because apparently a lot of European or post-revolution uh, uh, revolution fighters in Germany were refugees in America and they had no problems joining forces with the, the race, um, you know, anti-slavery movement back in the 1840s, 1845s. So that, if he's done his homework correctly, he's chose Christopher Waltz uh, as a German. But then remember too, this movie was also an original adaptation or this is the adaptation of the original from 1966 which um, I haven't done much research, but I believe the bar scene when Michelle Candy is watching the, the two um, black guys fight in front of the fireplace and when the guy comes up to the bar and asks for a drink and asks what uh, Jamie Foxx's name is, that guy himself is from the original Django movie in 1966. So that's pretty cool, using someone from the original, bring him into the new movie, touch it on a little bit, whatever. It's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, it's it's just got it's just got that style. I think it's everything you want when you watch a movie. Um, and I've got no problems with that. There were scenes that were cut from the movie that were too long, and you want to terrify his audience, and that's fine. Uh, you know, we 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 appreciate that kind of stuff because sometimes a director will go with whatever he wants to do. But then, of course, he pulls back and thought, for the greater good, I want to see this movie shine. So rather than pull out the shit and you know confront everyone, I think it was the dogfight scene. That was apparently really bad. You got to see a lot more death, a lot more mutilation or whatever. And he, he changed it a little bit. Christopher Waltz said no to this role. Uh, and I love this guy. I mean... For me, he didn't really – he popped up. He popped up out of nowhere. I think I first saw him in – I can't remember whether it was Green Hornet as um, Bloodnovsky or it was Inglorious Bastards. I mean, either way, fuck, Inglorious Bastards was just off the chain. It was great. Um, he's Inspector, the Bond movie, typical villain, great role. He knocked this back because it was too much like him. This role was literally word for word how he is in real life. And he had words to Quentin saying, you know, um, I think it's too tailored and I'm going to paraphrase, not paraphrase, I'm going to quote here. He felt it was too tailored to his persona and, and Tarantino insisted and wouldn't take no for an answer. So Waltz agreed under one condition. His character had to be pure and never once act in negative or evil manner. So... When you watch this movie, it just almost feels like he's monologuing the whole time. Monologuing is so fucking cool. The way he uses his words, I get it. It's back in the day. I, I suppose they, they spoke a lot clearer back then, but it's probably too perfect in my eyes, but then that's that's what they're going for, right? It's an imperfect, perfect situation. You've got the, in, the imperfections of that day and age, but then you've got the perfect scenario of living in that day and age. Um uh, you know, black guy gets freed by a white guy who's after these um, these brothers. He's a bounty hunter and he needs his services. And Europeans are pretty much okay with, with uh, well, they're against slavery. So he sees him just as another white person. But, you know, it's all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's just it's just compelling story. If you watch Hateful Eight, it's the same thing. And if you watch 
death proof. You know, it's got its elements there too. I haven't watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I just, I honestly haven't had the time, and I've heard it's quite, um, it's quite the mind fuck. It's, uh, it's a great movie, but then it turns into something that's not meant to be real. But it, it's it sort of, it's sort of, it's sort of a movie that's going one direction, and then it molds itself into somehow lifetime real facts, is what I heard. Like something that had happened, and they molded it in there, and not sure. I just forgot about it. I just know Quentin. Quinton just has a knack for blood and gore, heavy violence, but shot beautifully, and also stories told beautifully. The set design is beautiful. Uh, the 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 well, the horse work in this movie is great. I know Jamie Fox uses his own personal horse called Cheetah. That's the caramelly one with the white patch. You'll see it throughout the movie. That's his actual horse, and it's funny. Once I found that out and then watched the movie again, it's kind of see that. He treats the horse differently to the other people in the in the scene when they're on a normal horse. That there seems like a level of care because no one wants. Well, Jamie probably doesn't. The director doesn't want to be responsible for hurting his freaking horse on set or on scene. So, you know what? That's some that's some pretty cool shit. I'm all about cool shit when it comes to movies. I like knowing those little quirky details. And when I watch the movie again and look at the quirks, I'm just like, oh yeah, well I can see how they did that. Um, you know, and and that's it. The they chose a couple other people for this movie. I think obviously um, you can't go past Jamie Fox for this role. It's probably a bit harder because I already know him as that person. But I heard they chose uh, Idris Elba, too tall in my opinion. Chris Tucker, too funny. Terrence Howard, he could have done it, but I think his voice wouldn't have wouldn't suit the. Terrence Howard played um, in Four Brothers, uh, Detective Green. Uh, he was also the original Iron Man. He was the original Conan Rhodes before Don Cheadle took over. Uh, obviously, Idris Elba. We all know him as Heimdall and and Takers and freaking heaps of movies there. Will Smith. Will Smith, no, not at all. For me, no. For you guys, whatever. Tyrese Gibson, uh, Gibson, not at all. And Michael Kenneth Williams, uh, I have to look that dude up. Doesn't, doesn't actually. So it says here that Quentin Tarantino actually made the role with Will Smith in mind to play it. So Will Smith ultimately decided to pass. What an idiot. Wonder what Will Smith was doing at the time that made him pass. So the role goes to Jamie Foxx, who offered and accepted. Okay, well, that's a bit weird. Maybe we'll. Oh well, looking back at that era, I should look up the actual year and find out why. But anyway, um, it's Kerry Washington actually does. She does some. I mean, I'm pretty sure she appears nude. Whether that's a stunt double. She appears nude in part of the film, you know, when she was in the hot box and she gets water thrown over and she looks like she's been brutalized and whatnot. That might be a small thing for us to see, but maybe for her to act it probably puts another perspective into it for you or another just gives you another sheds a bit more light on this on the on the scene from her point of view. 
So when she's finally getting rescued or saved or freed or whatever, and the the, the genuine smile on her face, pretty cool to pretty cool to see. So yeah, I look forward to more from Quentin. I, I hope he doesn't ever stop. He, uh, as I said, the Brad Pitt, Leonardo, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'll get around to watching it. At the moment, I've just been super busy with everything else, and I haven't wanted to expand my brain to something new and crazy. I've heard some things about that movie. It's pretty intense, and I'll I'll eventually get to it. But we need more people like Quentin, that's for sure. The guy wants to push the boundaries, and no one really questions what he does because that's who he is. He put himself in this movie too. I think he, he plays he he plays the role. I can't remember the accent he was doing though. It sounds like South African, and obviously our boy uh, Mick Taylor, John Jarrett uh, from Wolf Creek. He plays an Aussie right alongside Quinton, and they get shot to fucking shit, blood everywhere. That is exceptional, right? I don't know if it's true. If someone shot me while sitting in my chair with a double barrel, double barrel shotgun, I'd love to know how far the spread would be. Would my chest cavity open, rib cage exposed, and blood go everywhere like, like you're shooting into a puddle of water and the splash goes everywhere? Because this movie seems to like seems to say that. Yeah, there's probably some unrealistic scenes. Like I think uh, Django shoots the sister of um, Mr. Candy. When he shoots her diagonally from a staircase, she gets thrown back across the room, out of picture, out of frame. And you're thinking, yeah, well, that's not real, but that's just making a statement, right? He's just basically shooting this guy and get the fuck out just because you're just because you're the sister of a madman doesn't mean you're excused for being a slave owner or the sister of a slave owner. So he just shoots her and she goes a different direction. You're like, yeah, well, they could probably have done that. But then that's the that's the comedy and the humor of the movie. All right. Well, you know what? Whatever. I loved it. A lot of reviews give them a 10, a 9, but I don't find anything wrong with this movie. I laugh several times. I feel it several times. Um, it's beautiful several times. It, this, everything you need is in this movie. So if you haven't watched it, go watch it. Um, if you have watched it and you just want to hear me talking, have a listen. And as always, I appreciate your time. I'll chat to you soon. Bye-bye.